Hello and welcome back to another episode of Focus on K-12, EdTech and the Education Experience. I'm your host, Doug Conopelko, Education Strategist at CDWG. Today, I talk to Chris Aviles, a teacher and the founder of the Garden State Esports League. He walks us through the four C's of Scholastic K-12 Esports. Let's dive in. My name is Chris Aviles. I am a STEM teacher here in New Jersey. A few years ago, I started the first middle school esports team in the country. Uh, after a couple of years, um, I decided that I wanted to help other schools in New Jersey start their own esports journey. So I founded a nonprofit called Garden State Esports. Uh, we are a scholastic esports league that schools can join to compete against each other. And then we do our best to educate uh, schools and students about esports and all the good stuff in it. Perfect. So. Uh, you know, obviously, esports is really at the, I think that's still the infancy stages, right? Really at the beginning of its growth. Uh, and folks are always looking for some tips as to when they're getting started. Folks are looking for, you know, people to follow. Um, you're one of the names that comes up a lot, right? Because you started one of those, the, the earliest teams and are really involved with all aspects. So uh, you've talked a little bit about uh, something you call the four C's of esports before. So take me through what the four C's are and maybe a little background on how you ended up there. Yeah. So um, between having a team and running a league, a lot of people kind of reach out and they say, okay, you know, what is Scholastic Esports? How do we put the Scholastic into Esports? And I've kind of uh, broken it down into what I call the four C's. And these four C's are what I think make for a robust Scholastic Esports program, right? Because it's one thing to be playing video games. It's a whole other thing to be using video games to educate the whole student and be, you know, and make better people. Um, and so when I talk about the four C's, the first thing I talk about is competition. Um, I think there are a couple important things that people maybe don't know or are getting wrong when it comes to competition. And the first one is that if you have an esports team, you should be competing against other schools right? It's not a video game club. The, the competition piece comes from playing, you know, other schools, whether they're in your area, whether they're out of state. Um, but you sh that, that should be the goal. Your esports team should be competing against other schools. Uh, the other thing, you know, when we talk about competition is being aware of what games you're offering. Um, depending on what game you offer, it's going to kind of, you know, uh, dictate the kind of people that come out. You know, if you're offering a lot of first person shooters, you're going to get a lot of boys. If you're offering like something like Super Smash, right, you're going to get maybe a more diverse crew. So kind of understanding that you need to offer a diverse array of games um, to make sure that you get a diverse audience, I think, is really important. Um, but that's kind of that competition piece. So once you have the games and once you have the kids coming out and you're competing against other schools, uh, I start to talk a lot about character development. And that is because video games, esports is a fantastic analog for traditional sports. Um, you know, I've, you know, wrestled and played football my entire life. And I've coached uh, varsity sports here in New Jersey for the last, you know, 15 years or so. And I can safely say that all of the wonderful skill building that our students do in traditional sports can be found in esports. So when it comes to the teamwork and communication, when it comes to goal setting, um, just like you learn about that stuff and you learn about life, you know, through sports, um, you can get the same for your students through esports. And I think that's really important for people to understand. The other thing that's really nice too is um, where I would argue that wrestling is the most uh, equitable sport, you know, in traditional sports 
Esports is even more equitable, meaning that a diverse type of kid can come out. You know, uh, throughout the league and on my team, we have students that are on the spectrum. We have students with physical handicaps, um, different learning disabilities, and they've all been able to find a home, you know, on the esports team. So I think understanding that you can use esports to build character uh, is really important. Well, I think I think a good point too, Chris, is that you know as we're going through this this second C here, right? The character mm-hmm. development is not only just because it's inclusive, right, for those students who may not be able to participate in something else, but also for the students who are participating, who maybe fall, we'll call towards the middle, right, our kids who traditionally uh, might be involved in other activities. It also gives them exposure to, you know, being in a more inclusive community. Right. So when we look at, you know, even classes, right. And the way that we have classes laid out uh, with leveling in some schools, a lot of our our students are around the same kids all day, every day for most of their school career. So if they're able to participate in in an activity that's more inclusive, not only is that phenomenal for the students who who get to participate, but it's great for those students who build another new community because that helps build that character. Right. 100%. And it's interesting, too, because what we're seeing, uh, you know, again, Garden State Esports, we have about 120 school districts. We have about a quarter of the schools in the state in our league. And what we're seeing is students are not giving up soccer. They're not giving up football to come join the esports team. And that's leaving a bigger opening for students who, uh, you know, sometimes don't have what we call that homeschool connection. Right. So a lot of the kids that we're seeing come out for esports, this is the first time they're ever becoming part of a team. Um, a lot of them leave one new friend group, like you said, because they're socializing uh, in an affinity group that maybe they haven't been part of. Because, you know, I think sometimes uh, that that stereotype of, you know, the gamer being alone in his basement uh, gets overblown. But I, I also think that this is a great way for kids to find students in school who play the same game as them. And maybe they didn't know. And now they can, you know, my kids always, you know, we, we play our titles, you know, for our esports team together in school, but then my kids often go home now and they're playing with kids on the esports team for fun, other games and stuff like that. So I a hundred percent agree that it's a great way to promote inclusivity, which kind of leads into that third C, which is community development. Um, if character building is about building better people, right? Community development is now that we have better people, how do we all kind of uh, uh, work together to make, everything kind of better. Um, And so some of the unique things we're doing through Garning State Esports is we have a social emotional learning curriculum called EPIC. Um, And EPIC is a way to infuse SEL into your esports practices. And part of what we're infusing when it comes to, um, you know, kind of developing this community, and it's something that we're doing some studies with Rutgers on is Uh, You know, it's one thing to tell kids that they need to create a safe and inclusive space for everybody. And, you know, you write the team charter, you do the team rules, you put it up on the, you know, you put it up on the wall of the room that you play in at school. And, you know, we have the code of conduct for Garden State Esports. And and that's really easy, right? It's really easy to do that stuff. Important, but easy. Um, Where it gets difficult is how do we help kids learn to navigate spaces where somebody's not being inclusive, where somebody's being toxic, as they say. Um, And so one thing that we're using through Epic and Garden State Esports is we're doing bystander intervention training. Um, You know, we see this in schools with bullying and we are taking, you know, those best practices and we're applying it to esports, right? When somebody uh, is using hate speech or something like that during 
uh, a match, even if they're on your team or, or, or commonly, you know, what I see as a middle school coach is um, a friend will have to stand up to a friend who's trying to be funny, but not in a way that's, that's very cool, you know? So how do we empower these kids to be able to stand up to somebody, you know, when they are not uh, honoring that safe, inclusive space, you know, team agreement that they signed? And I, um, I think we're, I think we've seen a lot of this, we've seen a lot of this too, like in the, in the industry, mm-hmm. right. Where, where those conversations are happening. And so if we're able to start these conversations, right. With programs like Epic through Garden State Esports, right. That starts to build that um, to, to use your words, right. That community building and, and building a better community for esports and, and gaming in general, right. From the bottom up. Yeah, I mean, there is this unfortunate subset of gaming that is full with misogyny and racism and homophobia, and that's from the forums to in the game, and as we're seeing in the news, at, at the developers of, of these titles. You know, if we can help change the culture uh, so that everybody feels included, and when somebody is not acting like they should, people are standing up and not tolerating it. You know, I was talking to somebody... And we, we kind of landed on the fact that it would be really cool that instead of having these bots, you know, that mod Twitch chat and stuff like that, that the actual audience was the one doing the moderation. And when somebody stepped down a line, you know, they kind of took control and said, hey, man, that's not cool. Or, hey, that's not what we're about here. Um, and, and I think that starts, you know, like a lot of things through education. Um, I know having played traditional sports, that's where I learned a lot about how to be part of a team and, and how to take care of each other and, and you know, even if uh, you're not from the same friend group or something like that, you know, you're on the same team and that means you're part of the same family. And, you know, this is how we treat family. So I think that we as educators can do a lot of good when it comes to changing that culture for the better um, by bringing esports into the schools. Because uh, if you think about it, you know, I guess it's one thing to leave uh, a kid alone in front of a TV. It's something totally else to leave a kid alone in the room with the internet. You know, the internet uh, maybe man's greatest invention and, and the worst invention. And I think that a lot of these kids are being subjected to, uh, I guess we'll say incidents that, that nobody's prepared them for. You know, I, I shared with you uh, a little while ago, Doug, is, you know, I'm Puerto Rican and my in-game name, you know, that I play on is, is in Spanish. And without a doubt, at least once every play session, somebody unmutes and says some horrible racist stuff to me. Uh, because I missed a shot or something like that. And so how do we make the community better where when they get angry, they don't go to the darkest, deepest, most horrible places and call each other names. And, you know, we, we keep out that homophobia and misogyny that we see so often. Um, and, and I think that is a really important goal for esports programs, right? If you're not making a better community, if you're not making a safer, inclusive community where everybody feels at home and welcomed, um, you know, you're not doing scholastic esports, right? Yeah. So I think two things are probably important there, right? One is that this is definitely still a a subset, right? This is not the majority of play, right? As a as a new esports program, this isn't going to be something that you know every single time you sit down, you're going to be having the same you know conversation over and over. It's not going to be every kid on your team. It's not every game. Right. This is a this is a subset that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And and I think the second thing is that just like, you know, when I was in the classroom and 
a lot of teachers would say like, oh, if you want to do better classroom management, do X, do Y, like all these simple things. But really it came down to just talking about what was going on, when it was going on in like an honest and open way. And when you set those expectations for your team, especially, right? So, you know, you as Chris Avila as the coach, when you're having that conversation with your team, if that has expanded to Garden State Esports and all of the coaches are having that conversation with their team and you're doing it in those little groups, right? Then it becomes, you know, a message that's, that's really widely known and accepted within the league because when you're in the esports league, you're playing other schools. You're not playing, you know, a random troll on the internet halfway across the world. Right. Um, so it's important that, you know, we, we also make that known because I think that's probably a misconception for folks who are starting um, a new program. Yeah, I mean, and, and really to put some numbers on it for you is in the last two years with Garden State Esports, we've had thousands of matches. We've only had three incidents where somebody just said something rude in the chat and it was cursing. You know what I mean? It wasn't anything that got into that racism and homophobia and misogyny. And then I can tell you from the anecdotes that, that I, you know, that I've experienced and, and what people have told me, a lot of times these kids are repeating things um, that older brothers and sisters have said, or their favorite streamer has said, and a lot of times a little education about why what they're saying is wrong or why that meme that they're sharing, you know, is, is offensive is enough to make a kid go, oh, you know, I didn't want to do that. That's not who I am. And so I think you're hundred percent right. I, I think it's a rare occurrence, but I think it's important nonetheless to make sure that we are educating as many people as possible. Um, so, yeah, and I think, again, you know, esports in education with coaches as role models and uh, bringing it into the light, you know, is a great way to make sure that we have a, a wonderful community. Sure. So, Chris, we've got competition, character development, community building. Yes. What's what's our fourth C? Right. Take us so home. Your, your, your last one is uh, career and technical education. Um, a lot of students may believe that they're going to be pro gamers, but the reality is they're probably not going to be. But on the other hand is you can't be serious about STEM without being serious about esports because this is where most of those STEM jobs are going to be, right? Esports is one of the fastest growing industries in the world. It is full of STEM jobs and, and you know, traditional jobs as well. But esports is a fantastic way to give kids hands-on experience, right? With career and technical education, those jobs, right? That make uh, pro gamers jobs possible. And then it's also a great way to educate kids about the career opportunities and pathways that they need to get there, right? So uh, for the first part, one thing that we do through Garden State Esports is we encourage every team to create what we call the team behind the team. So you have your, your starters and those starters have a secondary role. And then you can even have kids on your team like I do, whose sole job it is, is to take on some of those jobs in the esports ecosystem that make it possible for an esports team to function. So for instance, I have a team podcaster, I have a team statistician, I have a team uh, broadcaster, website developer, IT people, um, you know, every role, every job that needs to get done to put on our event or, or to have our match is done by students from filling out the facilities request for the superintendent so we can have the library to inviting parents and emailing the newspaper and doing after game action reports and uh, you know everything else in between social media marketing is all done by my kids. And so what I love about that is you know they're not just learning about the jobs but they're actually doing them right they're getting that hands-on experience. Now the other thing is uh, you know 
especially through Garden State Esports, we've partnered with a lot of Jersey colleges and stuff like that. We have a lot of great partners um, in the pro scene. And we are constantly talking to and introducing kids to people in the esports ecosystem. You know, uh, we'll do workshops with college kids and we'll hear about what they're majoring in and how they're going to use their major in some STEM career that is often related to esports. But, you know, even if it's not, it's still in that same ecosystem. So they're majoring in cybersecurity and game development. They're majoring in, uh, you know, all these different STEM jobs. And now those kids are saying, oh, you know, if I want to do something like that, I could go to college and major in this. Um, you know, he is working here or she is working there. And I, now I know that that's a possibility. And, you know, Doug, you know, what is it like something like 70% of people change their majors or work in a job where, you know, that they don't have their degree in. And, you know, they can hear how uh, um, somebody who was a former pro gamer got to be a pro gamer and then, you know, realized that the pro gamer uh, uh, a pro gaming career is about three years. You know, how do you transition to the workforce after you've been a pro gamer? So it's really just letting kids know what are the post-secondary opportunities that are out there for them, both in, you know, the their career fields, but also, you know, the college and career pathways. Um, and so, you know, esports is a great way to bring CTE, hands-on experiences um, to kids. Chris, I think I lost you. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I think maybe I lost you. I'll edit this out. Um, but I think you. the last thing you said was to kids. Is that correct? I bring so. To bring esports to kids? Right. Okay. I'll just do like a little uh, wrap up then and we can cut out this minute here sure. and, and we'll do that. So. Um, perfect. So I feel like, you know, maybe there was a little dig there because I was a, you know, biology major who became a <laughs> psychology major who became a teacher. I'm not going to hold that against you. Um, but for the folks following along, you know, we've got our four C's of esports now. We've got competition, character development, community building, and career and technical education. So Chris, thank you so much for your time today and your dedication to the students. Thank you for having me. This would be great. Thanks for joining us today on Focus on K-12, EdTech and the Education Experience. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and consider leaving us a rating or a review. If you'd like to contact us about the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at theconopelco or send us an email at focusonk12 at cdw.com. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time as we focus on K-12. Hey.